Every company has breakdowns in their revenue process. Sure thing deals slip into next quarter, competitors creep in and swipe deals away at the last minute, and deals getting single threaded that don't get to power. These are just a few examples of revenue leak, but there are a ton more, and they're preventing your team from reaching their sales targets. That's why I'm such a big fan of Clary's revenue platform. It's the only tool that actually helps leaders take control of their revenue and thrive through any market conditions, especially when things get tough. You can't afford to miss a single detail, but you also can't be leading by gut. Clary combines the science and the art of sales and sales leadership. So go to Clary.com if you want to answer the most important question in your business. Are you going to meet, beat, or miss on revenue? Welcome to the Live Better, Sell Better podcast with your host, Kevin Dorsey of Inside Sales Excellence, the number one Patreon group and YouTube channel for tech sellers and tech sales leaders, where we dive in deep for tactical advice on how to book more meetings, close more deals faster, and lead sales teams to success. But we don't stop there. We also focus on the person in salesperson. We talk about mindset, goals, time management, and so much more. So thank you for listening. And if you're interested, head on over to patreon.com slash inside sales excellence. Now with that, grab a notepad, get ready, and let's dive into the good stuff. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Live Better, Sell Better podcast. This is your host, Kevin Dorsey, AKD. And today we are talking about motivation. This idea, this concept, this fleeting thought that every manager and every leader wishes they could bottle up, but we've yet to find that bottle of motivation because motivation is hard work. There are things you actually need to do to motivate. There are things you actually need to learn to motivate. And if you are just hoping you can motivate with the rah-rah, the inspirational speeches, it's not going to work. And that is why I'm so excited to have Jill Bruno on the show with me today. She's the manager of sales development over at Rocket Reach, but also a mentor at Girls Club, also a founding member at Tenbound, also in Pavilion, also an MSP, aka she's one everywhere, and two, finding every way that she can to motivate and inspire people to become more than what they could have done on their own. So we're going to be diving into motivation today on how to motivate not only ourselves, but our team. Jill, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here with you and just to talk about motivation during what we can call some pretty trying times this year. It has been. It has been a year. And I feel like we've said it's been a year for three years in a row now. So let's start there and actually around motivation. Because I think a lot of people actually get this twisted. When you say motivation, what does that mean? What does motivation mean to you? So it's so funny because I feel like what first comes to mind here is about 50 corporate bro, corporate bro memes of motivation. <laughs> and while they're very hysterical, that's where I do feel like a lot of managers get it wrong. It's not just that hoorah. It's not just your words because anybody can say words. It's the intention behind those words. It's how you're going to deliver 
the message that you're trying to get across. And regardless, you know, pandemic, pre-pandemic, wherever we're at in the world and people's careers, you have to be so intentional with the individual that you're speaking with. So when you are motivating, you have to know, first off, what are they motivated by? What's going on in their outside life that, you know, your reps are willing to disclose? Not saying we need to know every detail, but if there's something impacting them at work based on things outside of work, okay, that could be a lever for motivation that if you don't ask the right questions, you're never going to know that's impacting their success. So that's kind of that high level is, again, I'll repeat myself here. Motivation is very, very intentional words and actions that are going to couple into the, the results that you're trying to accomplish with, you know, that little pep talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like it. And you touched on it right at the end there in terms of like how I define motivation, a change in mind that changes behavior, right? A change in mind that changes behavior because what a lot of people do, right? You talk about these tactics, right? Shout out Ross Corbett, bro, right? Talk about these tactics. They don't change behavior. And if it doesn't change behavior, then it's not motivating. So let's go another layer deeper here because I like this, right? It was very brief, but you're like, you know, finding out what, you know, is happening outside of work if they're, you know, willing to share that information. Let's actually go all the way there real quick because I believe in order to motivate, you have to have trust. How do you build that trust with your team so that when you're asking questions about things outside of work or personal life, that you already have that trust and connection that they're willing to share. So like, walk me through that a little bit. Like, how do you kind of set that foundation of that relationship? I start setting it on the first interview I have with a candidate. So I think that needs to start from your quite literal first interaction with that human, because that's their first impression of you that's gonna carry out throughout their career if they do happen to join your organization. So I always joke, I'm probably not like other sales leaders because I am authentically myself. You get what you get, I laugh, I cry with you, I tell jokes, and sometimes I might curse like a sailor. So with that and me being truly myself, it allows me to get my reps guards down because I share my strengths, my weaknesses, and my vulnerabilities. And that's where in turn my team has been very open back towards me that I get it in return. We are shamelessly ourselves. And what I love about that is I get to know my reps very, very well. So even an example I can throw out is one of the girls on my team, she didn't want to take PTO because she didn't want to let me down. And it was a Friday, I'll never forget. And she's like, yeah, so I have to pack up my whole apartment um, and be moved out by Saturday at 9 a.m. And I was like, what? I'm like, you're not packing up an entire apartment, getting everything together by yourself, and then getting ready to move into someplace new come that Saturday. So I actually forced her to take PTO. I was like, you're not going to get this done. And that actually motivated her. So when she came back the next week, she was like, Jill, listen, I never would have gotten it done. Thank you for pushing me to do something that I didn't realize I needed to do in order to accomplish what I needed to. So come that Monday, she's like, I'm ready to make up that little bit of time that I missed because I feel really great about where I'm at now. Because the way I think of it is, how stressed would she have been that Monday if things weren't in order, just because she needed a half day on Friday. So that's just one little example of, know what they're going through in their personal life, and how can you help make that easier? Because to go on a side tangent here, I hate when people say, oh, you know, leave your personal life at home, and you know, once you get to work, you're in work mode. You're not two people. You don't live two separate lives. You're one person. You live one life. So that's where 
people can't assume that you do shut things off. You can't. Like, we're humans. Like, that's the emotion and the vulnerability of just a human race. So, like, again, I said, as long as you really get to know your reps for what they're going through, you can really pinpoint areas that could be impacting them to do really well. Or maybe they're having a dip, and then that's where you can tailor the motivation accordingly. Yeah, I I love that because so many leaders and managers, you know, they force people to work or they expect it. That one day is not going to make or break that individual's week or month or quarter. And to your point, you were saying it very, very well. In fact, if anything, if she does work that day, it negatively impacts results because there's no way she's her best best self on that Friday. While she's thinking about, oh my God, right? When am I going to do it? And then there's no way she's her best self on that Monday, which then causes worse results, which then can get in their head. And now they're in a slump of like, I'm not performing. Like, but you just give someone a day to go handle the thing. So I love, I love the way that you think through this because I think people get so caught up in like, oh, just go, go, go. And it's like, no, actually giving that day would improve the results. Absolutely. Not so, okay, so I, I love this. So then how do you get to know your reps, right? Like you mentioned kind of like asking questions. So like, are there specific questions that you like to ask all of your reps? Like how do you start to understand maybe what their motivators are? So one way that I find that I get to know people well is I'm a storyteller. So if I hear a common interest or a common scenario or experience, if I can somehow relate in that story and I do it, I don't even realize when I do it, but that's one way I can be like, oh my gosh, like, wow, you're going to Disney World? Like, I love Disney World. When I went, I went on this ride. You should go do it. So I try to relate through experiences as much as I can. And I also, I don't have a magic wand. I don't do anything that is groundbreaking, but it's as simple as one-on-ones. You know, do you have any plans for the weekend? Like, how did your week go? Did you do anything fun after work? Or, you know, even if I have a huddle or across the team, like, oh, who has an awesome story to share? Completely not work-related. Let's talk about it. And then through there, now I can tell you the names of my team members' cats and which are the silly cats and which are the, the serious cats. I can tell you how pregnancies are going for some of, you know, the men on my team, how their wives feel. And then I can relate because actually my daughter, she'll be two in January. So I just shipped him a whole bunch of baby stuff. I'm like, oh, this is what you need. Like, this will help the baby not cry. But, you know, it's little moments like that where I hope that my team really knows that I care about them so deeply. They are my tribe. They are my people. I'm Mama Bear. I will defend them till everything, till the ends of this earth. And that's all just through the relationships because I genuinely know how they are, some of their struggles. And you know, their moments of success. And again, I just find like, if I'm real with them, they're going to be real back to me because how could you open up to somebody that's so serious? Only work. Like I would feel uncomfortable with that. So I have to lead by example that I'm, I'm willing to share and whatever you want to share back, I am all ears because let's face it, being a manager, we're a friend, we're a parent, we're a leader, we're lateral, we're a therapist. Um, sometimes I think I'm a doctor. I don't know that I should be, but I have, um, diagnosed my fair share of things that I'm not qualified to do, but you know, we wear a lot of hats and you know, the biggest hat I want to wear is just be a human, be a real person. And you know, as long as you hire the right people, hopefully you get, you know, some reciprocation there. 
So everyone listening, I want you to rewind about two minutes and I want you to listen to how her tone changes when she's asking these questions, because this was gold, right? And the people that do this in real life, I can tell because you can't help it. So when she asked the question, what are you doing this weekend? Listen to how her tone changed. Because you could tell in the tone that it was asked with intention. And this was a role play. This wasn't even a real conversation. But when she asked it, it immediately switched to, so like, what, what are you doing this weekend? What's, what's going? That is what misses, I think, for a lot of managers is they may ask some of these questions, but they're not asking it with intention. They're not asking it with true focus on the individual. So everyone, I want you to go back and listen to that segment again, but listen to how she asked the questions, not just the questions she asks, because that was perfectly done, like perfectly done. So, okay, so now let's keep going here because you know we're talking about motivation, but what we still haven't really, I think, addressed yet is what motivates people. Right. So it's one thing to get to know them. Right. All right. I'm getting to know you. I know you got Julie, the silly cat and Oliver, the serious cat. And I know that your, you know, your wife isn't sleeping that well because of the pregnancy. She's uncomfortable. And I sent you the onesies. That's great. That's building the relationship. But then how do you motivate? Right. How do you change the minds to then change the behaviors of the people on your team? Because I believe where we've covered so far is the foundation. Because if you don't have that connection, right? If you don't have that trust, if you don't have that relationship, nothing else matters. But now we know those things. How are you then motivating your team to achieve more, to be more with this foundation? So I've ironically enough found a lot of motivators when my team comes to me when they're feeling off, when they're not having a good week. And, you know, some of the tougher conversations that I imagine for them to come to me that are had. So I could tell you on my team just through the struggles and the fact they can trust to come to me with everything that some people, yeah, they're motivated by money. I mean, we're in sales, so I feel like that goes without saying. But who's motivated by activity? I have some reps that enough is never enough. And they just need a 3x activity of everybody else because they don't feel that they're accomplished unless they're genuinely calling, emailing, prospecting eight hours of the day. And then, you know, some people, they're motivated just by a good job, you know, and attaboy, like, I thought you did great. So that verbal validation, that verbal affirmation. So that's where, you know, again, all it takes is, you know what, I listened to that call and compared to the call last week, you did fantastic. And they're like, really? You caught that? Thanks. So sometimes that's all that it takes. And then obviously we can dive into the metrics and the KPIs to really check, you know, how our email is going, how our calls connect, so on and so forth, which I can then tie into further motivation. But yeah, I really do pull a lot of it from just moments when they feel really down because that's my opportunity to bring them back up. How are you learning those things? Like, how are you learning who's the money motivated individual versus who's the activity motivated individual versus who's the recognition? Like, how are you, how are you learning that? So I would say I test the waters with a little bit. Obviously, I give everybody compliments when due, but I really pay attention to who does it excite the most. Like, I can Ooh, tell you there's... Pause. Say that again, please. I want to, I want to, I, I don't want to make people rewind. I want <laughs> you to say that again, please. Oh, geez, let me remember my words here. But I start again, like I said, equally, everybody, you know, deserves the compliments. But I pay attention to who it matters most to. Because some people, 
you know, they know they're good. So they're like, yeah, of course that call was good. Where others genuinely wholeheartedly are like, Jill, thank you so much. And that's honestly how I am. You know, I, for me, I just need to hear like, Jill, you're doing good. Like, I really appreciate it. And then that's like my mental reset. Like, awesome. Somebody knows I'm doing a good job. That's all it takes. So I make that obvious, like, tell me I'm doing good. So yeah, like I said, I really listen to that. But then, you know, it's how do people react to, I, I test certain things. What are those reactions? And then that's where I can pinpoint, you know, some people, if there's an issue and maybe they lose op credit because maybe it was their fault. They forgot to check Salesforce, forgot to check the dupe. And then that person is like, listen, I know it shouldn't be to me. So I gave it to somebody else where some people are the opposite. And they're like, no, like, it's not my fault. Salesforce was wrong. Like, you can't take that op from me. So then that's where I can see, okay, you're very motivated by money. So you losing one opportunity could ruin your day, as opposed to the other person that they see their error. And they're motivated, motivated by making sure that they don't make that mistake again, because they don't like how it stings right now. So those are just little trigger events that I try to pay attention to, just to make sure that we can have smooth sailing. I just, ah, I love it. You're getting me fired up right now, Jill, right? Like we haven't had conversations like this. So it's fun just to like get into your style because it is the magic of this is the paying attention, the noticing of the little things and then using that information later. Like I love that. And this also kind of, go ahead. I was going to say, because it's a choice. That's what I think people forget is what can you control? And we this is my whole other mantra. What can you control and what is out of your control? But paying attention to words that your reps say, that's a choice. I could choose to sit and slack people when I'm in a one-on-one, answer emails, be filling out a report. No, the choice has to be, I'm making you know virtual eye contact with you in Zoom. You have me right now. That is a choice. And if you don't make it, why would you ever expect to get to know your reps? How could you coach them on the truth if you have one ear here and one ear there? Unless you're Superman, you can't do it. You have to stay singly focused. And then again, just make everything has to be intentional. So, you know, for anybody listening, if you're struggling, I want you to pay attention to how much you're paying attention because I guarantee you're not all in when you need to be. Just dropping bombs on them today, Jill. Damn. All right, let's keep going. And I'm going to pivot this conversation a little bit. Earlier on, you mentioned about like when people get low, right? So talk to me a little bit about, okay, like when someone is in a slump, right? Someone's in a funk, right? Like they, they missed their number maybe a couple months in a row or something. They're in a low spot. How do you go about getting this person back? Because sometimes, you know, when they're low, like it's hard to be like, oh, I'm going to motivate with money now. Or it might be hard to motivate with recognition if they're not performing well. So well, where am I finding those recognition points? So like, how do you get someone out of that hole and back towards, you know, the production that you're hoping to see from them? It really comes down to what I just said, which is what can you control and what can you not? So I do run one of my teams is inbound and one of them is outbound. So with inbound, when like, let's call it out, like marketing numbers are, if you looked at marketing numbers from like January, February, March, to the truth of all other months in this year, I guarantee most industries are not nearly where we thought they were going to be after April done. So with that, like in particular, like my goals were set for the inbound team pretty high. And unfortunately, you know, the recession kicked in, buyers are much more cautious in spending, Everybody just wants the trial over the demo. So, you know, we're facing challenges that we didn't have even just last year. So with that, 
it's really, okay, let's look at your leads. Can you control that this one was spam? Can you control that this person blatantly gave you wrong information that we can't even go in a Rocket Reaches database and tie them to an accurate contact? So you can't control that. But what you can control is for the, the legitimate leads you have, how many times are you calling them? When they answer, what are you saying? Are you sticking to the script? Are you putting them in the right sequence? Are you answering their email with intention to hit on every single question? Are you asking for a phone call when maybe an email doesn't make sense? All of those little actions, that is what you can control. And guess what? If you still exhaust all of those leads, call your old leads that, you know, were non-responsive from last month, the month prior. Call your non-responsive demos, you know, who no-showed you. You know, don't take it to heart. Maybe maybe they got COVID. Maybe their family member fell ill and they just fell off the earth for a couple weeks. Things happen. Give them the benefit of the doubt because you would be so surprised what one phone call that you otherwise wouldn't have made because it wasn't a step in your sequence, that can make the difference. So again, that's kind of on the inbound side. And then for outbound, you can control your activity. How many people are you pulling from rocket reach? How many dials are you making? How many people are you targeting? Are you pulling the right people? Are you double checking that these are truly the titles and the seniority that you want? Because if you throw in a hundred junk people, guess what? Garbage in is garbage out. So that's where, again, control what you're doing don't get too tied up on, are they answering your calls? Like if it's the right number and you're leaving, you know, it's going to voicemail, you can't control that. So that's why I genuinely say like, get the things you can't control out of your head. Let's focus on what we can actually impact. And then we're just going to rinse and repeat. You know, we'll look at the data to use that to coach as well. But I find that people get so caught up on it was the best qualified demo. They were so ready for the meeting and then they no show. Or what I hate from the SDR world is, you know, I went over budget. I qualified them. Like they told me they can afford us. And then they go to the AE and they have no budget. You can't control that they, they told you one story and they told the AE the next. So I really just like to take that high level view of what can we impact? And we're not going to worry about things we can't control. And I find that's the biggest motivator, especially, you know, in times like we're facing now when, you know, you can't make somebody sign the dotted line. We can just try our hardest to, you know, bring the value and position it the best that we can. I love it. You're just dropping masterclasses on top of masterclasses on here right now. Like that was phenomenal because it is that control. And then if, especially if you can combine the control with the recognition, you're doing what you can control. Leaders, we have to recognize people for it because unfortunately as leaders, a lot of us only recognize when the result is there. If someone's doing what is in their control, you need to recognize them for that too. Not just wait for the deal, not just wait for the demo, but make sure that you're reinforcing what needs to be done there. So actually one more bonus question on motivation before I pivot. I know I said I was going to pivot, but now I just have another question I want to ask. It's okay, I thought Your of thought. another thing too, so we're okay, good. Okay, perfect. All right, there we go. <laughs> Let's good do good it. Stuff, right? like, this is why we do these things live and have a conversation. Quick hit, your thoughts on like contests, competitions, and spiffs. So that's something that a lot of teams, you know, you know, all right, like motivation. If you do X, you're going to get the Starbucks gift card. Yay. Talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on, you know, spiffs, contests, competitions, and how you do or don't use those to motivate your team. Uh, so it's so funny because great minds think alike. That's actually what I wanted to say is you have to really focus on the little micro wins. So whether it is a contest or a spiff, or even if it's a bring to your one-on-one -on -one a win of the week, but it's not going to be a meeting booked. So that way we're not just focusing on the results, but things that I've done in the past, 
um, I used to run a BDR team. So BDR, SDR, same thing, but I had BDR bingo and I would make it silly. Like it's the name of the company, your name. So it was your contact or was your contact, excuse me, Jill. So like, that's funny. If you guys have the same name was the company name, a pun, um, I would throw states on there. So that way, if you book a meeting in certain states or certain countries that can, you know, put those results in, you know, you booked a meeting after a rejection, you booked a no show, anything that you want it to be, or you got away telling a joke and they laughed. It could be anything under the sun. So that's something silly. But what, what I will say is it takes longer to fill out for maybe the one I did. So maybe make it a smaller board, but you could do that. And then really, like I said, focus on those little wins. Um, and not even just activity, because let's face it, like if it's only activity based, people can also cheat. Granted, I am very fortunate. I have the best team in the world. We are very ethical with what we do. So really monitor that. But maybe it's a meeting booked before a certain time or, you know, activity, but there's better results tied to it. So I think that you always need to have little things going. And honestly, I admit I need to do a bit more of that. We do a lot of spiffs with our closers, and then I usually do things separately, and I'm a sucker because I'm always like, I love you all. Like, you all win. So um, I do need to loop in a little bit more, but I just feel like everybody needs to strive for something other than meetings because those little wins, like I said, if you have fun and celebrate them, the results are going to come. So I really think it should be ongoing because let's face it, being an SDR is tough. We get hung up on. I've had... To deal with this year alone, two of the worst people I have ever heard on the other end of a cold call that I don't know why they chose to say the things that they have said. So pulling reps out of that, it's hard. So again, even during tough days, have your little wins that you own for your team and don't worry about everyone else. No, I, I love that. And I've definitely called back a prospect before. Like... 100%. There have been things said to people on my team that I go, no, 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 no. I'm going to call you back directly and you will hear from me as an individual on why that was not okay. And so I love that because it is, it's like the contest, you just need novelty, just something novel, something to focus on. But what I like what you focus on there is, again, things in their control. It's not like, oh, you set two meetings, but like, okay, did you hit your activity? Did you load up this? We did contests around like the best video of the week, best email of the week, right? As graded by your peers, not best email response, just best email. Who wrote the most creative email this week? That's something in our control to focus on. And so I really, really like those things. And so now I am going to pivot and I can connect the dots to something you were doing earlier, right? Where you were just, I mean, just finite with attention to detail on what mattered to your reps and what they cared about and paying attention to really truly display like a very high level of EQ and empathy, which is something that I truly believe women are more innate at than men are. And it's something where as leaders, why I think you make such phenomenal leaders, you pick up on those things better than I think most male leaders do. Can you talk about how we get more women into sales leadership roles and positions because historically my teams have always been 50 50 in terms of not only just reps but also in leadership i'm very intentional about that if that balance ever gets out of sorts i'm on purpose making sure we get back and i know this is an area that you're very passionate about as well so like talk to me about what you're doing in that world of how we get more women into leadership more women into sales to bring those things to this like industry that needs it like we need eq we need empathy we need better listening we need better attention to detail so talk to me about that a little bit yeah no 100% because 
I really believe it also starts at the top up. Like you need to intentionally hire women, have diverse sales, any team, not even sales, have an, a diverse organization. And if you don't make, again, everything is back to those intentions. If you don't try to make something diverse, it's not going to be. And that's not the world that we live in. And the way I see it too, is none of that should also matter in the sense that everybody can do the job. So don't profile people, you know, in the opposite direction, but everybody is capable to do the same thing as everybody else. And that's where we need to have those beliefs. And the reason I say it starts from the top is, you know, I've worked at organizations where no wonder I was the only female leader, the things that were said, you know, the male dominance and just not considering words that were coming out of your mouth. That's why I, I was headed for the hills. And this is one story that I don't care. I will say on every podcast, every webinar that it's relevant, just to show you how tough it can be being the only women, woman, excuse me, in sales as the leadership side. I had to sit in a meeting with an old CEO and I was pregnant. I was third trimester, huge, uncomfortable, scared to be a first time mom, petrified, excited equally. And it was in 2020. So this was, you know, primetime pandemic where we were trying to shift, you know, office life to working from home. And this person who was a man said that basically if we're working from home, you should, shouldn't have working hours and you should always be available. So basically slaves to our job 24 hours per day, weekends included. And that if we have children, it should only take you 15 minutes to put them to bed at night. But as leaders, we need to remember in that 15 minutes, we weren't able to get to the prospect and our customers beat us and did a better job. So here I am, the only person who's a woman, pregnant with my first kid, now petrified that I'm not allowed to put my child to sleep once she's born. I can't put her to bed, which granted would have been after working hours to begin with, that that's not acceptable. So these are just things that those words were not intentionally thought out because that was my last straw and why I left that organization because I did not feel supported at all. And if I didn't feel supported, how could I make my team feel supported? It truly comes down up, which is why you need to be, be a good manager, but you also need to have good leaders above you. It really impacts everybody. And women are also scared. You know, there's a statistic out there that says for a woman to apply to a job, whether it's a leadership role, just any type of promotion, they feel the need to be 100% ready. So they have to read that job description. And if they don't feel a thousand percent confident in every bullet, they're not going to do it. Whereas a man only needs to feel 60%. So that means 40% of those bullets, they don't even feel qualified for, and they're still going to apply. And that's, again, kind of that mental game of do women think they're not good enough? I bet you a lot of them do. So that's why it's such a priority for me and being a part of organizations like you mentioned, Girls Club, and I mentor women who want to join leadership all the time. Like I take my spare time, which is not that much, just to help other women believe in themselves and to know that they can do it because I don't know that support is all is really as available at all, all of the organizations that it should be, which is sad because, you know, I just think a, everyone can do the same job. Like I said, you just have to fight for it and also put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. And that act, uh, keep going on that one real quick, the putting yourselves out there. I mentor quite a few women as well. And something that I hear from them that I never hear from my male mentees ever is this one line. And literally every single one of them has said it to me at one point in time. 
Well, Katie, I'm just going to let the numbers speak for themselves. And I got to say, numbers don't speak for you. You have to speak for you. So how do you encourage the women that you work with to, I can't remember the words that you just used there at the end, were like, to have that voice, to ask for what they want, to put themselves out there to get the things that they deserve, right? But if you don't ask, if you don't go for it, it doesn't happen. So like, how do you encourage that? I think people need to stop settling. I think that, you know, sometimes people assume like, oh, the man in the relationship needs to make more money. So, you know, stay, stay, be comfortable with where you're at. Or, you know, you don't need to be the leader of the household. Like that's what a man is for. I think a lot of it's conditioning from just kind of old school mindsets where we have to break that because we need to believe in ourselves. So you have to look at your own psychology to understand what are your barriers? Why are you holding yourself back from accepting that next level? A lot of people subconsciously discount and don't accept certain things because they want to stay at a status quo because that's where a woman should be. And that's, again, these are the mindsets we have to change because it's okay if you make more than your husband. It's okay if you make more than your dad did. Like, you know, if you compare yourself to anybody, that's okay. Don't feel that it's wrong. And I think that a lot of women think surpassing men is wrong. You know, we don't need to be, what is it, like barefoot pregnant and in the kitchen anymore. Like, that's not the way of the world. But I think some people are just stuck that they can't surpass their male, their male counterparts, which, like I said, I'm going to repeat myself. What is your fear? Um, you know, are you, are you scared of failing? It's fine. Guess what? Men can fail too. But I think women sometimes, and actually a story that I can share with myself is like, I was never an account executive. I was never a closer because early in my career, I was so petrified of failing. I was embarrassed to do the job when I never even did it. I was so scared that people would look down on me. I'd be embarrassed. I'd get fired. So I never tried something. Who knows? I could have been great at it. I never tried it because I let fear hold me back. And it took me until later in my career to realize I made fear-based decisions, not even realizing I was doing it. It was just the surrounding environment that I was in and just some of the conditioning that I had. You know, I settled because it was good enough without allowing myself to accept make good great, make great, even more great. You know, there shouldn't be a limit. And I think we throw a ceiling on ourselves all the time. And like I said, a lot of it is subconscious. So I know that was a very long answer, but it starts with believe in yourself, know your worth, know that you can do it. And guess what? It doesn't need to be a hundred percent. Nobody is perfect. And if they say that they are, know that they're lying to you, you know, Find your area, you know, if you have an area of weakness, which we all have, find a mentor. Go on LinkedIn. There's so many channels that are free, mind you, to find that little bit of help that you need. And I think that if we did have more mentorship programs and just, you know, free access to resources that people, I think people don't know that are available, then that's that confidence booster. Because again, I just think that women get stuck in their head much more than men because we care too much. And that's also another thing is, you know, we care, what do we look like? Is our hair okay? Is my makeup, like, you think a man thinks about what they look like when they get on stage? Yeah, right. Like, let's, I would love to compare what goes through a man's head versus a woman's head before a TED Talk. I guarantee the woman is, do I look fat? Does this dress look okay? Like, is my silhouette fine? Do I have a hair out of line? Where a guy's like, oh, yeah, let's do this. So I just think that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves sometimes. 
just a little. Just a little. And that's what's been so fun on this show to get people like you talking about this, Katie McPhee talking about this, Ali Rosakos talking about this, like the community around this and really lifting each other up on it. Like, it's just, it's so amazing. And I hope it continues and it grows and that momentum is there. Cause then the more of you there are, the more women we get in, which then creates more of yous because now there's more women in to become who you are and to do all of those things. So just, just phenomenal. This has been amazing. So I got one question left before we wrap. Otherwise, this is going to go for an hour, <laughs> which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but like we'll wrap it here shortly. The name of this podcast is Live Better, Sell Better. Right. So I have this weird idea that if we took better care of ourselves, if we were more confident, if we had more self-belief, that the sales would also improve. What would your live better advice be for people listening? Um, I think in order to live better, you need to separate your personal life from your work life. So obviously there's going to be circumstances where you have to go outside of that. But if you're, you go on vacation, you take a long weekend, don't log on. The company will survive if you don't answer that Slack. You know, if you don't answer that email, enjoy that. You're, enjoy the time that you have away from work because I found that if you're working while you're off, you don't enjoy, you feel that you're missing out on work and you're not enjoying your time off, which is a lose-lose. So make it a win for yourself to enjoy your personal time and just really, really reset. Because if you don't reset, Every single day is a weekday for you and you're going to burn yourself out. So just really enjoy those personal moments and just do something that makes you happy. Take an art class, you know, go to a show, you know, try a new sushi restaurant, like do something that matters to you, no matter how big or small it is and just stay alive. Mm -hmm. uh, just like we've lost sight of play. We've lost sight of, you know, just doing things to do them. It's always side hustle this or monetize that or whatever. It's like, if you like to paint, go paint. And don't worry about turning the painting into a side hustle. Just paint. Enjoy it. Go, yeah. Go play basketball at the, the court, whatever it is. So I just, I love that advice because that, funny enough, is living. That is living, right? Is doing things that we enjoy and that actually makes us better at our job as well. So Jill, this was, I mean, truthfully, beyond my, my expectation. This was phenomenal. Like this was phenomenal. Where can people get more of you? Where are you putting out content? Where can they find you? Like, how do people get more Jill Bruno in their life? Because they need it. Well, um, I'm big on LinkedIn. So let me see. I think I'm Jill. Yeah, I'm, I, I never know. I'm like, am I Jill? Am I Jillian? What's my name here? Very simple. It is Jill Bruno. My uh, he my headline is SDRing is life. So if you get confused with any of the Brunos out there, that is me. And also, feel free to shoot me an email. My email is very simple. It's Jillian. J-I-L-L-I-A-N at rocketreach.co. Don't do .com. I won't get it. .co. So please, I encourage you, you know, send me a note, connect with me on LinkedIn. I get a lot of joy paying it forward. So if there is one little thing that I can do to make your day better, you know, it'll probably make me happier than you. So please do not hesitate to reach out. I'd love to help you if I can. Love it. Well, Jill, this was amazing. Thank you so much for your time, energy, engagement, insights today. This this was great. Um, we're bringing you back. There's no way this is the only episode that we we do. So we'll talk again soon. Well, then while we're still recording, I'm going to hold you to that. I would love to to come back. So now we have it. We have it captured. So you have to do it. It's captured. I honor my word. So you will be back. So appreciate you, Jill. This was great. Awesome. Thank you so much.